0: You are listening to Heal Yeah! with Colleen Ziegler, produced by The Lighter Side Network. Visit TheLighterSideNetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes and podcasts exploring wholeness living, trans channeling, energy work, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heal Yeah! podcast. I am your host, Colleen Ziegler, and today in the studio, I have Julia Leroy. Hi, Julia. Hi. Julia is a chef, and she is also an author of an up-and-coming cookbook titled Say Grace, and its release date is to be determined. But We are really looking forward to talking about your journey with food as well as your cookbook.
0: Looking forward to it.
1: Julia has been working with food for just over 20 years. We'll call right? it 20 years. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> And that's from five star restaurants, being a chef at five star restaurants, to starting your own personal chef and catering business.
0: Just about everything in between. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Started as a dishwasher, worked my way up to a line cook, have done catering, bartending, serving.
1: I didn't know the dishwasher part.
0: Oh yeah. I mean you wow. gotta start as a dishwasher. That's yeah, you know, is the that, most
1: important position. Is that part of the the thing with becoming a chef is that you start as a dishwasher or did you just want to get your foot in the door?
0: That's how you get your foot in the door. Okay. A lot of times it's not mandatory, but it's a good route to take. I highly recommend it. Wow. You, you learn a lot in the dish pit.
1: <laughs> you do. And and probably once you become higher up, you get to experience what everyone in the kitchen is experiencing and therefore be a better leader.
0: It makes you a much better team player too.
1: Yep. Yeah. so. In your journey with food, there has been some challenges along the way, um, some struggles with an eating disorder, and some big obstacles that you've had to overcome. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Where should
0: we start? I mean, I, I think it's always, I feel so goofy even saying that I'm a chef with an eating disorder. People are like, but you love food. Like, How can you have an eating disorder? Um, So I guess I should clarify that first. I think I've always really enjoyed feeding people. Um, I get an immense amount of satisfaction out of cooking for people. Um, But I had to take a journey to realized that I was worthy of getting to eat the food too and mm. take pleasure in it myself. So, you know, it, it was a process.
1: When did that first occur to you, that, that, you, were not, that you weren't enjoying the food? You know, you're making this food for everybody else. When, when was that awareness in your life? Well, I
0: think I was aware that I had an eating disorder actually around the age of 14 was when it first popped up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized I had some challenges with it, but I did not try to control that at all or curb it. And it kind of just, you know, when you live at home, it's a little bit harder to get away with having an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it really usually pops its ugly head up like during college. So like when I was in culinary school, I was hardly eating, you know, <laughs> I would eat one meal a day mm. and it was tiny, you know, surviving off of caffeine and nicotine. Because
1: um, there's no one around to hold you accountable because yeah. you are responsible for yourself.
0: Right. It's that first taste of freedom. Mm-hmm. So any control issues are going to really pop up at that point. I think that's a pretty common um, story for most people that struggle with eating disorders.
1: You were aware of the eating challenges around 14 and still you chose to go to culinary school. So this had to be something, kind of a duality within you, you know, going, I love food. I love preparing food, but I don't necessarily feel worthy of its nourishment. Does that, am I wording that the right way? I can't, I can't I, say what you're thinking, but I'm trying to word it.
0: No, I think that's an interesting way to word it. I also And I never really thought about it until right now, but I feel like maybe that was also like the reason why I got so into cooking and the reason why I always wanted to make dinner at home before I even started working in the industry was that it gave me a little bit of control over what Mm. I ate. You know, Um, I got to decide what went on the dinner table from a very early age because I had a younger brother and sister. My mom and dad were working. My mom and stepdad were working, so mm-hmm. I would, you know, I could decide what we were going to eat and control it. And at that time, I thought like eating pasta with butter would yeah. be like the best way to stay skinny or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. But uh, fortunately, that evolved, and I started eating some vegetables too.
1: <laughs> you get to you get to college. You get to culinary school. And, like you said it's it's when things kind of started their descent, you know within the challenges of of eating and you know being busy all the time and staying up on caffeine and which is typical for a lot of college students, you know, not always eating the best foods and but yours was a little different, so you talked about in college, it started to become a challenge because you know you're living off of caffeine, eating less, which is you know, kind of a common thing for college students to do. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes they start eating, you know, more than than what they're used to. But during that age, we're really navigating who we are and and a new responsibility in life. Yeah. So you choose to go to culinary school, mm-hmm. and then after culinary school, share a little bit about that journey.
0: Um. After culinary school, I came back home and. Uh, things were okay for a little while, actually. Um, I gained a little weight, you know, um, I wouldn't say I was heavy, but I was, I was a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a relationship that at the time I thought, you know, we were going to get married crazy because I was like 24, <laughs> you know, um, and I had a really bad breakup. I mean, it just went bad quickly. And I was devastated. Um, So at that point, I was working at a five star five diamond restaurant, the Burt's Carlton dining room. And it was a job that I loved. It meant so much to me. I was so proud of myself. I had, you know, when I started there, the chef had thrown me into pastries because I was a girl, you know, mm. and, and I had clawed my way out of pastries. I was working on the hotline. I felt like a badass. You yeah. Know? I just, I felt incredible. And, um, but when that relationship ended, I spiraled out of control and I basically, I just, I think in a way I was trying to starve myself to death, you know? Um, and, I was I was so unhealthy. I wasn't eating. I was drinking way too much alcohol, and I just did not see the value in myself. I didn't believe in myself anymore, and uh, I hit rock bottom at that mm. point, you know? It was rock bottom. Yeah, I had to completely rebuild myself from there, and there were such long-term consequences from that, like truly, you know... Things that I still deal with health wise mm-hmm. because of how I treated myself at that point, and I I don't think that at the time I realized the severity of what I was doing to myself.
1: Sure, you sure. Know? Can you share just a little bit about your relationship with food at that time? I know you said you were you were drinking a lot and mm. a lot of caffeine. You know what were you eating to <laughs> to have those you know long term consequences? Because I yeah. think this is important to address because. It's it's one of those things that if people don't grow up knowing how they're nourished with food and with nutrients, it's very easy. And I don't want to make assumptions about people, but I think it can be very easy if you don't know what nourishment the food gives you, yeah. To go, you know, I'm okay just eating a, a bag of French fries a day. Or right. you know, so if you could just share a little bit about that and your experience.
0: Well, I survived off of um, two foods that were readily available to me at work. That was dates, medjool dates, and chunks of Parmesan cheese. They were in the walk-in cooler on the right-hand side, top shelf, as soon as I went in. And I could just take a little nibble, and I could keep going for a little while. And um, especially, like... I remember during the summertime. Well, actually right right after the breakup, um a neighbor worked for Delta and he was like, you just need to go have a little trip. He's like, I'm going to send you to Puerto Rico. And I worked at the Ritz so I could get a room at the Puerto Rican mm-hmm. Ritz Hotel for um $50 a mm-hmm. night, which was, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money as a line cook, so it was a really good opportunity for me to get away for like 3 days. And I remember I took a six pack of bagels with me and that was all I ate for three days was off of that six pack of bagels. And I didn't even finish them all, you know, and I was like, I was just wasting away and I was like baking in the sun, you know, because I was like, I'm going to be tan and skinny and. That'll be worth
1: something, you know, yeah. I mean we're both giggling, but that's not it's not funny
0: <laughs> it's, it's not funny <laughs> it's not it's, it's not i mean I, at this point, I kind of have to laugh no, about I it, understand, you know?
1: yeah. and that that is one of the really beautiful things about going through these healing journeys that we go through is when we get on the other side, there's certain aspects that we can laugh about because what else are you gonna do, yeah, you know mm-hmm. um how You know, when you're living off dates and Parmesan cheese, and it's probably not high quantities of those things, Mm -hmm. or a six-pack of bagels, and I'm not sure how long you were in Puerto Rico. Like three days. Three days. You said three days.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, how how does that not only affect your physical health, but your mental health, your emotional health? Like, it can't... I mean, how does one function? Well, I
0: mean, that's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, of course, my mental health was suffering before the physical stuff even started to manifest itself, right? Um, so um, mentally, it it all, I really, looking back, I feel like it all stems from a feeling of inadequacy, which is what has really been the struggle my whole life, right? Never feeling like I was good enough, um, never feeling like I was worthy of... Um, other people's attention or friendship or whatever you know and thinking like okay well there's different ways in which it it shows itself it's like it can either be like well if I can just look perfect you know like if I could just get rid of all my cellulite then people will love me Mm -hmm. or like if I could just get that $300 sweater you know people will think Mm -hmm. I'm I'm valuable you know it's it's a journey like at some point i finally realized and i and i don't want to just say some point I, it was guided um i believe i have teachers that are seen and unseen who have guided me down this path and therapy was really helpful in realizing that um my my soul is what makes me valuable you know
1: not what i'm wearing on top of my my earthly body mm-hmm. right um, it's a challenge to be born with that awareness, really. I mean, yeah. it's it's all of these kind of life challenges and, and difficulties that bring us to that awareness. I mean, I would love to have been born with that awareness. <laughs> <laughs> and I know some people are, but it's, you know, we're all guilty of those thoughts. You know, that $300 sweater or this new haircut mm-hmm. or new shoes or the tan or, you know, right. we've all had those thoughts on some level.
0: Well, Colleen, I think what's so exciting to me at this point is looking back at how much I've evolved in mm. my lifetime because I, I feel, and maybe this is crazy, but I feel like I was born with less self-awareness than most people <laughs> and that it's, I was like a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of encouraging to hear that you felt like we all struggle with yeah, that, but yeah. I, I really felt like I was behind sure, in that. And to see where I am at this point in my life, to see how much I've evolved. I'm so proud of myself, oh, I you love know, that. I mean, I really I'm just like, wow, like, if that is what we're here to do, which in a way I do, I, I don't really believe so much in reincarnation and stuff like that. But I I believe we're on the earth to better ourselves mm-hmm. and to leave the world a better place. And
1: and how how good does it feel? I know. Our listeners can't see you, but when you just said, I am so proud of myself, you lit up like a light. <laughs> and that's, that's so beautiful to see that in, in someone else and to hear someone say, I'm so proud of myself. If we can all yeah. just like step back and go, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. It's huge. It's like, huge. To
0: see the mistakes is part of the learning process mm-hmm. and instead of it being failure to yes. say like, yeah, I, I screwed up. When I was younger, I'm gonna screw up when I'm older too, but I'm still learning. Yes. And I'm still gonna end up way better off than where I started. And I'm still gonna go out in the world and spiritually. Yes. I'm Still yeah.
1: gonna go out in the world and rock it out. Exactly. <laughs> which yeah. you're doing, which which you are doing now. Thank for you. Sure. Yeah. Um we didn't talk about this before, but I really wanted to highlight, you know, you have your website, produce and provide dot com. And you're a local chef and caterer and personal chef for people. And you also teach. Yes. And you also teach your classes where people can find out about that at Produce and Provide. And at this time, are all your classes in Atlanta? Do you have any online classes at all? I know that we have listeners all over the place.
0: Oh, that's a great question. They are all in Atlanta right now. Um, But I'm very... Interested in the notion of doing online classes or doing pop ups in other cities, and you know, I mean, of course, when the cookbook comes out, I'm gonna want to do a a, a little tour. tour. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I think what's more fun than a book signing? Doing like teaching cooking classes, sure, on the absolutely. Road, so, and yeah.
1: and your cookbook, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit because it's. It's not just your standard cookbook. <laughs> there's there's a a whole new. I don't know that there's anything out there like it. I I don't know if you do either, but I think it's really unique. Oh, thanks. So, yeah. Um let's let's talk a little bit um about your recovery process. Mm-hmm. Uh I know that you shared with me earlier it was about 13 years yeah. time.
0: I'm and, stubborn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really stubborn. <laughs> and 13 years is, you know, it can be seen on the grand scheme of things is, is it's, it's a long time, mm-hmm. you know, to have to go through, um, those, those challenges. So let's sure. talk a little bit about your recovery. What works for you? Um, I think that's so important to share to help yeah. others.
0: Well, I think that, um, I've been recovering for 13 years, but I don't think that, um, I'm cured. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I'll always be in recovery um, I've gone through enough ups and downs in the last 13 years to realize that even if you have a good year, all it takes sometimes is like something going wrong. And if you're not self-aware, if you're not careful and you don't know your triggers, and I, I think we talked a little bit, mm-hmm. this goes for all types of recovery, all types of addictions, if you're not self-aware and you don't know your triggers, you are susceptible to falling into the same old traps. So um, for me, uh, just knowing myself and knowing that uh, I need a routine, that um, it's very important for me to have a sort of structure to my life so that I don't go in that like yo-yo direction Mm -hmm. of dieting or or, like not feeling like enough because – Well, we talked about working out. Mm -hmm. I go to a trainer like two or three times a week. That's it. And that's all I work out. And I mean, I might go on a hike or something with friends, you know, but I'm like, uh, I'm working out a healthy amount. And what that does is it's, (laughs) I have a friend who actually calls working out his Prozac. Okay. Because (laughs) it releases endorphins, right? Mm -hmm. It makes you feel good about yourself. It, it, helps to battle all types of mental illness I think it's really um it's a really healthy thing to do it's just like if you have an eating disorder such as the one that I had it's like very common to kind of take that to the extreme Mm -hmm. and be like well I need to be working out for an hour and a half every day you know and next thing you know it's just it's like all this darkness comes in, you know, that it always had this like it becomes dark, its own heavy addiction. feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the positive things I always see about working out or hiking or going for a long walk, any of that kind of stuff is it, it brings you back into your body. Mm-hmm. So that awareness mm-hmm. comes in. I mean, there's different kinds of awareness, how I, how I see it. Well, I know for me, um, it also
0: gives me like the sane part of me. It gives a certain amount of confidence mm-hmm. where I can say like, I know if I'm going to the gym twice a week that I'm, I'm not whatever the crazy part of me yeah. tells me I yeah. am, you know? So it's like, it's almost a way for me to like shut down the part of me that isn't healthy, you know, mentally healthy. It's a way for me to just say like, you can't be right. Cause I'm doing this and I have this
1: routine and it's like, what works best for you. Right. And your perception of, mm-hmm. of yourself.
0: Yeah. Cause it's fact based and reality based, you know, so uh, it's hard for me to spin that into something unnatural and unhealthy. Yeah.
1: I don't know if that <laughs> helps at no, all. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so what, what are some of the other things?
0: Um, the other things, uh, being having stability in my life and recognizing when i don't have stability that um kind of catching that early on in the process and that goes for like um life partnerships uh jobs you know family all of that uh recognizing areas of instability when they come up and figuring out how to deal with them because that's definitely a big trigger for me, and it's really hard to get someone the help they need if they're in an unstable environment. Mm-hmm. Like I think before you can even deal with an Ill, a mental illness or an addiction, you got to get the person who's suffering into a mm-hmm. stable environment. So if I can keep myself in a stable environment, then I don't need as much outside saving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense. And knowing, you know, that these things work for you, um, you also talked about earlier having a a regular routine, and mm-hmm. I think that is super important, really, for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> just to h- kind of have that routine that works for you and and keeps you on track. For sure. So, yeah. what what are some of the th- the regular parts of your routine that are um, important to you?
0: The things. Well, I would say first, fundamentally, it's going to sound silly, but staying hydrated mm-hmm. is like a no, major thing that for me. doesn't sound silly at all. <laughs> like, I just get taking you. taking care of yourself, yeah. you know, like um, making sure I'm getting enough water, making sure that I'm eating enough meals, no matter, um, right now my life is super stable and mm-hmm. it's super good, but I can think back to the last time that I went through a breakup and I had a rule with myself and I, and I set the same rule with my friends who go through breakups Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it helps them, but I think it does. Um, it is that you don't have to eat a lot, but you have to eat three meals. Yeah. When we're dealing with grief, let's say you're going through a loss of a person, whether it's death or just the death of a relationship, you lose your appetite. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just disappears. It's one of my triggers. Yeah. Yeah. But if I can just make sure that I eat at least three meals, don't have to be big, but they have to be eaten, Mm -hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm going to hopefully not tip over that canyon, you know, or like fall off the cliff.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And you're eating at different times of the day. You're keeping your blood sugar balanced. Mm -hmm. You know, you're probably making you think clearer, you know, and not... Um, it, it is, you know, having gone through grief myself, you're absolutely right. Your appetite completely goes away and eating becomes this whole new thing of, I've got to eat just so I can function mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I got to eat because, oh my gosh, that looks so good, it tastes which good. I yeah. love to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love to eat. So if my appetite is gone, you know, something's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and I see that with friends and I think that's such a good Little rule to have. And and I hope that people listening adopt that. You know, if you're going through grief of any kind or any kind of emotional instability, three meals a day, it doesn't matter how big they are. Mm-hmm. Just, just eat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just make sure you're getting something in your system. Mindful eating on my good days is a really important uh, system of just saying thank you mm-hmm. every time I sit down to eat. And like really trying to keep my phone away from me, try not to put it anywhere near the table, but, and then just like, I'll cut my plate or my bowl in my hands and I'll just say, thank you. You know, it doesn't have to be a long process. It doesn't have to be super involved. I don't have to thank anyone in particular. Sometimes I will say thank you to the cow that, you know, gave me the meat or like uh, the tomato that the mm-hmm. farmer grew, whatever, I might get specific or even to the driver who drove them from the farm to the grocery store so I could get them um, in the big 18-wheeler truck that I always curse on the roads. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's driving your food all over the right. all I mean, all, these, all of these aspects of our plate that we don't think about sure. that it takes took to get there all of the sweat and the both from animals and people and um yeah
0: and like the driver honestly I mean I (laughs) I've spent so much of my life scared on the highway of like 18 wheelers but if it wasn't for them there's so many things that we wouldn't have in our grocery stores you know um so like trying to turn that around and be grateful for like all these different aspects that bring this bounty that we have. I mean, grocery stores in America are insane. Like we have everything. Mm-hmm. We have everything available to us.
1: It's unbelievable.
0: It's just it's
1: almost surreal, <laughs> you know?
0: Like wow, we're we're
1: so fortunate. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So that that act of gratitude and that pause really brings us to talk about your cookbook. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. your new cookbook is called Say Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that that title. Is that a working title or is that official?
0: I think it's official. Okay. I feel okay. pretty official <laughs> about it. Um, the minute it Came down on the paper when I wrote it down when I was trying to brainstorm. Which I told you I can never think of titles for businesses yeah. or anything. Like my business name, produce and provide, definitely a working title. Even though
1: I've been in business
0: for I two like years. it. Well, thank you very much. I do. Much. I like it
1: a lot. It, it works, and it really I think highlights. When you go to Julia's website, Produce and Provide, or her Instagram or Facebook, it's all Produce and Provide, which I love when people do that, mm-hmm. when it's all the same, because yeah. <laughs> it makes you so much more accessible. You just, you market and brand yourself very well, oh, because thanks. it doesn't look like you're market marketing and branding yourself. It just looks like what you're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Does that make sense? And it yeah. probably
0: is, but there's well, yeah. Some... It's very shoestring <laughs> yeah, budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I think it highlights so, so well what you do, you know, going to the farmer's market and teaching there and, and what kind of food that you're working with and, and are grateful for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the access, like we were talking about, I mean, I feel uh, so fortunate that not only do we have grocery stores, we also have so many farmer's markets Mm. And growing up, it wasn't really like that. I mean, I grew up in um, North Atlanta in Canton. And um, I mean, it was the 90s. We just didn't have a farmer's market. And my mother, she is a chiropractor. So, I mean, healthy eating was always very important at home. I always understood that a balanced plate would have protein, starch Mm -hmm. and vegetables, you know, like she she was pretty adamant about that but still she just didn't have access to all these different foods that mm. we have now that-
1: oh it's unbelievable i don't i mean i don't know about some of the cities that other people are in but in atlanta i i'm pretty sure i can safely say there is a farmer's market and we're talking about local farmer's markets probably six days a week yeah is that
0: yeah does that seem accurate um in some area yeah i mean you yeah. might have to do a little bit driving sure and driving sure. is but it, yeah in
1: the atlanta in area, the atlanta area yeah.
0: for sure yeah and you know on saturdays there's multiple markets mm-hmm. to go to and um for maybe for those that aren't super familiar with the difference between farmers market produce and grocery store produce there's a lot of talk about you know healthy and organic and you know lower carbon footprint um but when you're looking at like the price difference, it can be kind of prohibitive Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And um, I know I struggle with that too, but I really think another benefit that you get from shopping at the farmer's market, well, there's two that I want to bring up. First of all, the flavor. And if you ever really want to see the difference Go get, like, a, a fingerling sweet potato mm-hmm. from your local farmer's market and then so go true. to the grocery store <laughs> and buy a regular sweet
1: potato. Yeah. Or and tomatoes. A, oh, my god! Oh, yeah, tomatoes, the is, Yeah. Although I
0: have seen – I don't know. I've seen some farmers um, refrigerating tomatoes. Like, when I get to the farmer's market, I'll pick them up and they'll be cold. And I'm like, what? You should never refrigerate your tomatoes for anybody who doesn't yeah. know that. Yeah. They should nah, never I know really that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So do a taste test with some yeah. vegetables and you'll really see the difference. It's like your taste buds are rewarded for going to the farmer's market as well. Um, the good news is that the vegetables that are the most bioavailable, the most um, nutritious also taste the best. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, they have the best flavor.
1: I think a lot of times, you know, bringing back this point a lot of times people who grow up with vegetables that don't taste that good which there are plenty i mean you can go mm-hmm. get some nasty carrots and celery and canned like,
0: mushrooms
1: yeah <laughs> <because> <laughs> canned mushrooms. you grow up with that and you really or boil down green beans that's a real big thing in the south like boiling green beans to nothing i don't get it it's but they're gray <laughs> um you know and not realizing how good like even a green bean you know even if you have your own garden which is very similar to the farmers market you know you can just taste how fresh it is and how good it is and you can understand why top chefs like julia <laughs> want to use that kind of food it's also you know if it's grown in the soil that is you know full of all that wonderful bacteria and everything else it's also more nutritious for you i mean they can test that and and prove it i don't care what anyone says <laughs> There is testing that shows that those, you know, locally grown organic vegetables do have more nutrients.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of the topsoil in the Midwest, unfortunately, because of our agriculture methods, has been depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you find on smaller farms where they tend to do more crop rotation, that the soil is going to be healthier, yeah. which in turn makes healthier and better tasting plants. Mm, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say about shopping at the farmer's market that I think is so important is the sense of community, which um, when you start to uh, immerse yourself in this food culture, uh, it's really rewarding in and of itself too. Um just... Getting to know the people that are growing. I mean, how easy is it to have gratitude for the stuff on your plate if you know all the farmers? Yeah, yeah. Who actually grew it, and you develop a sense of trust with them, and all of a sudden you don't really need all these labels like organic. Mm-hmm. You know, you just need to know who's growing your food and know that you know they have enough common sense and enough integrity not to feed you bad stuff. I guess yep. you know.
1: I I personally and love the vibe at the Farmer's Market, the energy there, because it's like, it's a little bit more laid back. You know, if you're there on a Wednesday, it's, everyone's done with work and they're springtime and get to meet all the farmers. Or if you're there on a Saturday, you have the day off and it's, Mm -hmm. it's just really nice, nice energy. You're always going to get a bad apple in there. But (laughs) (laughs) overall, it's very sweet. And I think that's, it is very community oriented. You get to meet your local farmers. You get to meet your neighbors. You get to meet your local chef.
0: It's inspiring. Mm -hmm. It's very inspiring. And um, you're also, you can ask the farmers questions. Like a a lot of times if they're growing something, they're going to know how to cook it too. So they can give you a suggestion on how to use it. Mm -hmm. um, If it's something you're unfamiliar with. Recently, one thing I've learned in the last couple of years is that all these things that I thought of as byproducts of mm-hmm. ingredients. Like, of course, I knew that turnip greens you could cook, right? Yeah. You got the turnip and you got the turnip green. Yeah. And a lot of times, if you buy them at the farmer's market, they're still attached. Yeah. I knew I could cook both of those, yeah. but I had no idea that things like radish tops were edible. You know what I mean? All these. And when you pay $4 for a bunch of yeah. radishes <laughs> and you're throwing the entire part of the tops away, you're like, well, that's like how much money is that? You know? So learning little things like that, learning to fully utilize what I'm getting has made it even more of an added value for me.
1: Uh, in your cookbook, do you talk about this? So oh, for I'm, sure. I know what a farmer's market person you are uh-huh. <laughs> just from looking at your website and and all of that. Um, and your cookbook's really going to highlight the community aspect of farmers market correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> also the importance of gratitude with food and the gratitude of nourishing your body and that's kind of tying back in what i was saying i don't know that there's a lot of cookbooks out there like that that really highlight showing gratitude for your food
0: yeah well um talking about gratitude actually definitely goes back to um talking about my recovery. Mm -hmm. So when I really started to make the most progress in um, my eating disorder and getting that under control, that happened within the last like three years. Mm -hmm. And um, the stability played a role in that getting counseling, going to like a licensed therapist really helped a lot with that. And um, continuing to challenge myself to do the work and to grow spiritually and mentally and um, really deal with the stuff that was was causing the eating disorder. And one of the main things that came out of all that work that I did was a sense of gratitude. And um, I I don't know when it first happened, but I remember a day when I was like, upset about my thighs, right? I was like, God, you know, like I I work out or whatever. I I eat really healthy and I have cellulite on my thighs. And like that's just so messed up. I'm so upset about this. And then being like, you know what? I have thighs. Like I have legs mm-hmm. and they work. And I was like, God, how pathetic am I to like be happy about this at this point? And then I and then I spun it and I was like no like this, it might seem like baseline entry level stuff to be glad that you have a working body, mm-hmm. but if you can't be grateful for that, it's it's really hard to have any joy. Mm. I, I feel like that is, that was really the turnaround point mm-hmm. to be able to like just be grateful for my working body and my health mm. and like even if I don't need like a million-dollar insurance policy on my legs, right? They're not that amazing, but they make my life so much easier, Mm. right?
1: And they're yours. And they're mine. And, you know. And cellulite is so natural. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we (laughs) all have it. So, well,
0: except for a couple people who, whatever,
1: you know. Even, yeah, I could go down a whole, you know, tangent of cellulite. It's one of those things until I actually, you know, was older and, and had a little bit um a lot now but it it's it's airbrushed and it's like we yeah. we are so indoctrinated with these beliefs that it's not a natural thing or we have to work out or eat a certain way not to have it there are athletes like olympic athletes yeah with cellulite it's it's you know
0: it's a natural part of life yes
1: and a natural part of the body
0: i i think that just learning gratitude like really digging into that. And when you can get jazzed about like, Oh my God, we have oxygen. (laughs) Like how amazing is it that there's oxygen on the planet? You know, when you can really have a great day because of something so simple, it's so hard to shake you out of that joy. Mm, So true. And all that work that I did emotionally really, I, I believe I've evolved and it led me to a higher level of consciousness. Um, and I think that's really important. Like if you do the inner spiritual work and you get to that place, um, and I, I wrote this down earlier and I don't know, maybe it's too woo-woo, but I
1: feel like. No, you can go there. <laughs> I promise. If there's any safe place to get woo-woo, it's right here right now. All
0: right, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like when I really got in touch and was able to see the shape and the outline of my soul, mm. when I started to learn what that was, it it was really hard for me to care about the shape of my body at that point. Not saying that I don't treat my body like a temple because mm-hmm. I do believe like this is the vessel I have for this lifetime and uh, it's a responsibility to take care of it, right, and to not abuse it and to love it. Um, but it really, it's really hard at me for me to be mad about a little bit of fat here or like, you know, whatever I might perceive as an imperfection because I, I know that I'm going for something deeper, you know, and I, I know the shape of my soul now. I know, um, what, uh, what kind of shape it's in, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I'm okay with the rest of it because of that, because like the real work is getting done, you know, I'm fulfilling my life's purpose.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much. One for sharing your story with us that I know there's so much bigger journey than what we just talked about (laughs) (laughs) on the podcast. And so I just really want to thank you for your courage and your vulnerability for sharing that. Um, And to be out there in the world as a chef and still be so open is really beautiful. It it, it really is. If you want to get to know Julia a little bit more, (laughs) you can take some of her classes here in Atlanta. Hopefully, now that we've talked about it, she'll start offering some online. Uh, You can go to Produce and Provide. Uh, That is her website. As well on Instagram and Facebook, you can follow her there, um, Produce and Provide. And thank you. Thank, thank you, you so Holly. much.
0: This was a great conversation. Yes, I really enjoyed talking with absolutely.
1: you. Absolutely. I really enjoyed talking to you too. And thank you so much for listening to the Heal yeah podcast today. If you love what you're hearing and want to hear more stories, please subscribe and leave us a good review. Share us with your friends. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Heal yeah podcast. Have a great day, everyone.
0: The ideas expressed by guests are not necessarily Colleen's personal beliefs. Information received from Helia is not to be used as a substitute for medical or psychological advice. See and hear more from Colleen by subscribing to The Lighter Side Network at www.thelightersidenetwork.com.
1: The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.